As you read your Bible and you know your Bible and you study it and you see things and you know that the Old Testament represents an old covenant of God and his people that obviously did, didn't include the cross of Christ because Christ had not been crucified yet. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, but it had not happened in time yet. And so God did not have a covenant with his people that was openly based upon the cross of Christ. That's the Old Covenant or what we call the Old Testament. The Old Testament is more than just a division in your Bible. It is a description of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the great difference, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, knowing that, why is this verse in the Old Testament? Proverbs 11, verse 30 the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. By the way, do you know that that's the exclusive place in the Bible upon which we base the term soul winning? It's not found anywhere else. Why is he that winneth souls is wise in the Old Testament where all they had was the Old Covenant? Why is that? There's no gospel message in the Old Testament. There's no great commission in the Old Testament. There's no church in the Old Testament. So why is he that winneth souls is wise in the Old Testament? Why is this verse in the Old Testament? They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. That is one of the great soul-winning promises in the Bible. And yet it's in the Old Testament where there's no gospel message, no great commission, and no church. People are not out there knocking on doors, passing out tracts in the Old Testament. People are not witnessing for Christ in the Old Testament. So why does it say the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls are wise. And they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. Well, first of all, pointing, to people, pointing people to righteousness has always mattered. The ministry of Enoch shows us that. The ministry of Noah shows us that. And the ministry of many other people in the Old Testament shows us that pointing people to righteousness has always mattered. Plus, these verses taught important principles in their context. For example, when Solomon, under inspiration, said, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise, he may very well have had in mind a Dale Carnegie, how to win souls and influence, uh, win friends and influence people kind of a thing. He was not thinking about the gospel message because they didn't have it. He wasn't thinking about the Great Commission because they didn't have the Great Commission. He wasn't thinking about the work of the New Testament church because they didn't have the New Testament church. But they taught important principles in their present context. And perhaps these verses were even prophetic. In other words, perhaps Solomon, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote... 
The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And he intended it to mean one thing, as did David, when he, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But in the light of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, these statements from the Old Testament take on brand new meaning. And so I think it's totally appropriate for us to apply verses like the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that wins souls is wise to the gospel message, to the Great Commission, to the work of the New Testament church. Well, all of that to, to, to get to this verse that's in front of you on the screen. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Never has there been a statement spoken that was more perfectly fitted to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the Great Commission, and to the work of the New Testament church. And yet it was given long before any of those things were revealed to us by God. I think it is perfectly appropriate to take that verse. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I want you to notice a few things about that statement. First of all, notice the going. He that goeth forth. What's the first word in the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18? Go! He that goeth, you'd have a hard time convincing me that this verse is not in some way, shape, or form prophetic. He that goeth forth and weepeth. That is one of the trademarks of a New Testament church. Sometimes people look and they say, there's so many different churches out there. How are we supposed to know? And and I don't ever want to pat us on the... I was going to say back. That was the chest, but I can't reach my back. Um, I don't ever want to pat us on the back and say, well, we're the ones. No, but I'll tell you, one of the distinguishing factors of a New Testament church is they are a church that goes. They don't just put a sign out there and say, come on in, y'all. They go out there. And you use your resources, you use your money and your time and your effort to to get out there. Not just as a church, but as individual members of the church. You go, and God blesses when we go. God blesses with people saved. God blesses with first-time visitors. We have a a steady flow, praise the Lord, of first-time visitors, of people being saved. And by the way, let me throw this in here, of other blessings also. My wife got a great blessing from soul winning this week. Wednesday night, we, we were at a door in town. We took a block in town. We hit every door on that block. And uh, everyone was done except my wife. And, of course, these days, without my left foot, I'm just the driver. But I can inspect and see and make sure everybody's safe. And so everybody was done. We had hit all of our doors, and we're all standing there. And we could tell that, my, that uh, Amy was, was uh, engaged at the doorstep. But she was getting more done than we even realized because when she came back, she had these pictures of uh, this beautiful little puppy. 
Yeah, and so, uh, well, the, the young lady at the doorstep had gotten saved, but while she was there, they said, uh, she said, my dad, my dad, uncle, my uncle, uh, he got this dog, didn't realize when he got the dog that she was pregnant, and she had seven puppies, and six puppies, I've got, see, I almost got the story straight, six puppies, and they've gotten rid of five of them, and he just can't handle the dog and the puppies, we've got to find a home for this six puppy, and now... The sixth puppy is ours. <laughs> Amy, Amy texted uh, Joe and Rebecca, who, as you know, are getting married in, in uh, January, and said, uh, how would you like a puppy for a wedding present? And they said, sure, that's great. And so uh, we went back Thursday. And he talked about, we're, we're on our way Thursday night. And I said, now this is follow-up. This is follow-up, isn't it? We went back to the house where the young lady had gotten saved. And, and Amy had gotten her number. And she called. And so now we have the puppy. And, and uh, we're getting it ready to, to take to the, the uh, new couple next month. Anyway, so, yeah. So, see... But you, she wouldn't have gotten that if she hadn't gone, is what I'm saying. She went out there, and, and now she has a puppy. Praise the Lord. He that goeth. We, God intends for his church to be going. Now, one of the ways that we go is we have a designated time. And one of the announcements, by the way, that you'll be hearing later on is every night since Wednesday night, we were coming back and I'm going, it's getting kind of dark. It's already kind of dark. And so every night since then, Thursday, Friday, at about 630, I've been looking outside and going, it's pretty dark. And so I made the executive decision yesterday that no more Wednesday night soul winning bus this year just because I, I can't stand to have people out there in the dark, especially ladies. So it will move this week. No more Wednesday night. It'll move to Saturday morning at 1030. So there's that announcement out of the way. And anyway, but we go. But that's not the only way that you go. We also go in obedience to the, commission, the, the, the Great Commission as we live our lives, we look for someone who hasn't heard the gospel yet. He that goeth. Second thing I want you to notice, he that goeth forth and weepeth. In the context of one, Psalm 126, he's talking about weeping in hard times. And, and sometime I'll preach a message on the whole Psalm 126. It really is a wonderful psalm. But just... For now, let's say that the, the weeping of Psalm 126 is the, con the, uh, the, the, the context of hardship. You weep when you face hardship. But, boy, how does it apply to the gospel and the Great Commission and the New Testament church? Goeth forth and weepeth. When you go with the gospel message, you ought to have a burden. You ought to at some time have been on your knees before the Lord, saying, Lord, show me who that person is who needs to hear from you. There's 85,000 people in our area. We had someone, we were scoping out the possibilities of actually starting a radio station probably seven or eight years ago, and we had someone who puts up radio towers, did some research for us, and he said within a 15-minute radius of our church is... 117,000 people. Whether that's true or not, that's the research they did for us. Of course, we're on the doorstep of the largest city in America. 
we could witness every day, all of us, to one person brand new and live and die and never exhaust all the people in our great area. We ought to have a burden to get the gospel message to people who have never heard it. He that goeth forth and weepeth. And now I want you to notice this, bearing precious seed. I wonder when Psalm 126 was first written, if they even comprehended the power of that phrase, precious seed. This is the precious seed right here. As you see the picture up there of a man scattering the seed. That is a picture of this. And Jesus told the story of a sower. A sower went forth to sow exactly like that guy's right doing with a bag around his neck filled with seed, walking through that field, grabbing a handful, scattering, grabbing a handful, scattering, bearing precious seed. That's our job. That's, that is supposed to be our lifestyle, scattering the seed wherever we go. And as you know, the seed has the power in itself. By the way, Jesus just straight up said the seed is the word. The seed is the word and the ground is the heart of man. So we're scattering the seed so that it hits the heart of man. But as you well know, the, the power is in the seed. There's not a greater miracle to me in all of creation than the fact that a little acorn has an oak tree inside of it. That's just amazing to me. The power of a seed. When, when you think about it, we're, we're so used to it. We know that seeds bring forth plants. But when you actually think about it, especially if you try to think about it without there being a God, how does that little shell have a plant inside of it? How is there, what is in that little shell that causes it to explode into a plant and in many cases into something that is edible? That is, that is an absolute miracle. And our job is just to scatter it. We spread the seed and the power of the Holy Ghost takes the word and that the word finds the tender heart. And that seed can bring forth fruit. Going, weeping, bearing precious seed. And then I want you to notice, lastly, the guaranteed success. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, you may picture that as meaning, yeah, if I go out there, every time I go out, I'm guaranteed to come back and be able to say, yeah, I led somebody to Christ. But as you well know, if you go soul winning regularly, it doesn't always happen. But you're still guaranteed success. The New Testament maybe sister verse of this is Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not says very much the same thing as Psalm 126, verse number 6. And yet you say, both of those verses sound like they guarantee success, and yet, I don't always seem to succeed. Well, two things about that. Number one, the obedience is the, is the success. 
If you go out and scatter the seed, no matter how the harvest turns out, you succeeded because you did your job. But secondly, you don't always see the harvest. You know when you'll see the harvest? When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ, just to be clear, is rewards. There's two great judgments that we need to be concerned with. One is the great white throne judgment. That's when man is judged for his sins, and everyone who stands before that judgment throne, that judgment seat, is found guilty and sentenced to eternity in hell. But that's not you and me, praise the Lord, because our sins were judged at the cross. And so we stand before a different judgment seat, one that is not nearly as severe, but it still the Bible describes it as a terrible thing. Because that's when we are judged for how we serve the Lord after we got saved. And though it is ultimately a rewards or an award kind of a judgment, it is still a terrible thing as we realize what we did for the Lord versus what we could have done. Paul describes that and he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's the judgment seat of Christ. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that is when we will see, I believe, many, or or I should say much, of what the seeds that we scattered brought to pass that we never even saw the results from. How many times you gave someone a tract and never saw that person again, but they read the tract, they trusted Christ. And at the very least, if they trusted Christ, they're going to heaven. They'll spend eternity in heaven, and maybe they're even somewhere serving the Lord that they don't even know. I, okay, the, this is great. The girl that my son is marrying, her grandfather went off to fight in Vietnam He wasn't saved. He was not from a Christian home. But as he was leaving, someone handed him a Gideon New Testament, which he just, you know, stuck in his stuff. But sometime later on, when he was all by himself, he pulled it out, and it led to him getting saved. And the person that donated to make that New Testament happen the person who was passing out those New Testaments, they will never know. Not only did they lead him to Christ, not only did he become a Christian educator at every level of education, but he raised children who raised a daughter who will be my son's wife in January because someone scattered seed 50 years ago. You will never know in this life all the results of the seeds that you scattered. But here's what you have. You have the promise. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So with those thoughts in mind, the going, the weeping, the precious seed, and the guaranteed success, I want to introduce to you an idea that the Lord gave me on my knees about a month ago for a challenge that I'm going to invite you to be a part of in the month of October. If you could give me that next slide. 
the One Track Mind Daily Challenge. There you see there a picture of the beautiful track that we have down here in front of. What I have in front of me here is 60 stacks of seven tracks. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it came out nicely. 60 stacks of seven tracks, okay? And I'm going to invite you in a moment to come down and take one of those stacks. Don't come down here, please. Don't come down here and get stocked up. Oh, I'm going to take 20 stacks and I'm all stocked up. Take one. If you're going to, if you're going to accept this challenge, take one. And I want you, beginning today or tomorrow, every day, to pray that prayer. Lord, at the beginning of the day, Lord, please show me who you want me to give this track to today. And watch all day. Now, if the end of the day comes, and I don't mean, don't sit and wait for somebody to come up and say, I'm the guy. Can I have a track? It's not going to happen. But you'll be somewhere in your daily routine, and maybe it's someone in your daily routine, or maybe God inserts somebody into your daily routine. Like, you've got a UPS guy, and it's always the same guy, but this particular day, someone different shows up. You've given a track to your UPS guy, but today it's a substitute. And but I, we, let me throw this in here. We've, we've got a FedEx guy that comes here and he calls me Padre. Anyway, I love that. <laughs> hey, Padre. Um, maybe that's your guy for the day. But every day you take one track. You say, Lord, show me. Show me who to give this to. Now, listen, I promise you, the Lord knows my heart, and I'm just testifying. I, I'm not, we're not doing this to get word out about our church. The church name is on the back, but that's not the point. The point is to sow the seed in places where we could hit every door in Danbury and still not get the seed of the gospel to places where you will get it in your day-to-day routine. So you start every day, Lord, show me who, to, who you want me to give this track to today. If it comes to a certain point in your day, a point of your choosing, say 5 o'clock, and you still have that track, and you just for whatever reason have not had that encounter that day, then you just give it to the next person you see. You go out of your way to find. You don't, don't let yourself come home every day. At the end of the week, you still have a pile of seven tracks because you, you didn't make the effort. You can find somebody. Go, go through Duncan and get your wife a coffee on the way home. I, I bet your wife will like that game plan. If, hey, if, if I don't meet anybody, I go through, go through Duncan and get my wife a coffee on the way home or Starbucks or, or whatever your thing is. And, uh, but, but have a game plan where if, 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 if I go through the course of the day, don't encounter anybody. You say, well, I'm home all day every day. Write a letter. Lord, show me who to mail this to. I was thinking about you. I was praying for you. Thought you might like to read this. Put somebody on. You, listen, you get God involved in this thing, you won't believe the appointments he'll make for you. Lord, show me who to give this to today.